Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. We're extremely tough, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? So, Jonah, I was thinking about when we were in high school... And you, I guess, needed to take a gym credit. And the only gym class you could get into was body fitness with Miss Pignatella. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I was in, I can't remember what grade this is, but I was old. I mean, old for high school. I was in probably 11th or 12th grade. Yeah, you were in 11th or 12th grade for sure. And I wanted, I had to take gym. Something happened. (laughs) I was in gym. I got out of it. I wanted to take this weight training class. I don't, why right. I wanted to take a weight training class, I don't know. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was listening to a lot of aggressive music. Maybe I felt like, you, wanted to you be know, buff. wanted to yeah. bulk up a little. For some reason, this class was full. I couldn't get back into gym, so I had to take this class, Body Fitness, which was me. And I feel like we're like a bunch of eighth grade girls because our high school yeah, started in eighth grade. Yeah, you were definitely grade. in it with my best friend, Gwen. I think we were probably in ninth grade, maybe. Okay, but so were- maybe eighth and ninth grade. And there was only one other guy in the class. And I remember we 
had to do buns of steel videos and step aerobics. Those are like the two things we had to do. And I remember, yeah, Mrs. Pignatello would kind of like force us to practice. I'd be like, can I just like go in the back and like kind of mess around on this like machine? And she would be like, no. And I remember going to the principal and being like, I'm like a 17 year old guy who like <laughs> loves rancid. And like, I, I have to do buns of steel videos with like these like 15 year old girls. Like to me, it felt so unfair. And I remember right. the principal just being like, well, I don't know. She said, yeah, there's not much I can do. And I just did it the whole semester. Right, 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 right. I just, I do remember, like, I had, I definitely was like a lot of girls in my grade who were in it with you. And I remember particularly Gwen, but other people too, being like, I I saw your brother today. And like, <laughs> Yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember yeah, like, because it's such a big difference when you're, I mean, right. Because I think there were probably like eighth graders. And if I, so if I was like 17, there's like 14 year old girls like being like, yeah. hey. And like, I remember my friends being like, how do you know these people? And I was like, oh, they're in my, <laughs> right, they're my step right. aerobics class that I do right, like right. every day. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> that was Miss Pignatello. She was kind of a really, she was a pretty tough gym teacher. And I remember she was very no nonsense. And I have this memory that mom told us, I remember that. Our mom was at the parent teacher conferences and it was, I, we, I, I must've been in eighth grade. Cause I think eighth grade was the year that we had to do swimming at school. And like, it was so annoying because you'd have to like, literally like go swimming at school and, and then you'd be like, your hair would be wet and you'd have to like shower there. It was like such a pain to like have to do. Whereas like regular gym class, you like barely sweat and you just like get, get back into your regular clothes. It's fine. Whatever. So anyways, I remember mom said that she was at the parent teacher conferences and she said to Miss Pignatello, because this is how mom is. She was like, Vanessa is loving your class so much. She's having the best time. And she said that Miss Pignatella <laughs> was like, really? Because most of the kids hate swimming. And then mom had to just be like, yeah, Vanessa, she loves it. She loves to swim. Yeah. It's really I had, fun for her. I had swimming first period and it was the worst. It was like my yeah. hair was messed up. You're like rushing to shower and get out of there and get to yeah. class. And yeah. I, I think I, when I had it, yeah, I think I had it first period too. And it was just ugh. like, the bell ringing for your next class. Yeah. You're still like getting out of the show. It was so annoying. It, I hated it so much. And I understand them wanting us to know how to swim or like be good. But it's just like, guys. To me, it doesn't. I don't understand it. It doesn't seem like that's something you learn in high school. That doesn't yeah. seem like an academic skill that yeah. you should be forced to well, do. Well, the other thing that they did was in other schools, I remember they would, if you did after school sports, they would let you get out of gym class because that was like your version of gym class. But they didn't allow that at our school. So I remember even my friends like Gwen, who were in uh, like on the swim team, had to still take swimming at school. Weird. So, you know, the universe isn't fair, but we got to keep trudging. Got to keep trudging. And speaking of trudging. In a positive, in a a positive way. Today's guest is from Hawaii. So I'd be very curious to hear about his swimming experiences in in high school. Today, our guest is an actor, comedian, and writer. Stars as Jonah Heston, most recent primary host of Mystery Science Theater 3000, former host of the Nerdist podcast. Let's give it up for Jonah Ray Rodriguez. Hello. Jonah, how's it going? Uh, It's good. Thanks for having me. Of Um, course. All right. Getting the, got the cat out of here. Thank you. My wife got my text. <laughs> I always have a chorus of many cats to sing me and mew me to anytime I'm introduced on a podcast, but only one showed up today and Amazing. she was off key. Um, <laughs> no, thanks for, it's funny. It's just listening, the gym, gym is probably um, in PE. We didn't call it gym. We called it okay. PE. Physical, physical uh, education. education. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was terrible for me. I hated, I hated <laughs> it so much. I was a real big kid. 
And uh, I remember like um, uh, when I got to the point of uh, having to, like when it became like shirts and skins, it was all boys school. So it was like, you know, like, so, you know, play basketball, shirts and skins. And I would always, I was so ashamed of my body. I would just like try to like take part, like I'll take one of my arms out of my shirt or so much of my time in school and this time in middle school and high school, like was like spent, like, how do I hide my boy boobs? Like it was always like, uh, you know, the, the uniform was a polo shirt. So it wasn't very forgiving in that sense. And, and uh, so I would always like think, how do I hold my backpack? So it's like, I would do one strap, but I would have one arm across and the other kind of holding it. So it looked natural and it would hide. And I remember I got to a point where uh, my dad asked my dad, I was like, in so, so much anxiety, just every day going to PE. Uh, the, and I, he talked to the, the, he talked to the coach and said, could you just make my son a shirt every time? <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and I remember like um, one time, like he was like, just going down the line, we all lined up. He was like, shirt, skin, shirt, skin, shirt. And then like, I saw like, he realized he had uh, started in the wrong like I was in the wrong spot. And then he was like, shirts. And then uh, the rest of you, uh, you, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah, shirts. And he had to like, so he did two shirts in a row. No one noticed, I don't think. But uh, it was uh, definitely a, a source of shame uh, for a long time. Uh, and then um, the other thing too was, uh, I remember every time we had to like, we had to run the mile, like four laps around the track. And I would not force myself to try and get at any certain time. But if you got under, if you got over, I think like, you know, 10 minutes or something like that, you failed. And wow. so- the only thing that kept me at a decent clip was uh, singing to myself uh, um, the Proclaimers uh, 5,000 miles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Or 500 miles. Like, as so I would just be like this, you know, big white kid just kind of like, I will walk 500 miles the whole time around. But then I'd say, you know, it's a, I wanted to get out of gym. And then I, I like, I went into band, um, which I thought was great because they just gave me, you know, the symbols. It was super easy. I didn't have much to do. And then the next year they tried to make us do marching band. And I remember them going like, it's like, uh, all right, after school, we're going to like practice. I was like, after school, this is a class. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then like, I can remember this Friday, we have a game uh, Friday night, like, uh, you know, at the stadium. And I was just like, I'd be like, it's like, wait, no, I can't do that. And they're like, this is part of being a band. I was like, I'm in an actual band. We have a show <laughs> in Chinatown. I, got, I can't stick around for your dork fest. You know, I'm not going to a football <laughs> game. I got punk to play. But uh, but no school I ever went to ever had a pool, so I never really had that. But it was Hawaii, so it was humid, so my hair was always messed up anyway. <laughs> wow, wow! And how did you did you did you end up doing the marching band stuff after school, or or did you just? I, I oh man, so I bailed out of that one too, and I couldn't go back to PE because uh, uh, you know just I just didn't want to do that. And then uh, so I went to ROTC for like a semester. Wow. And that was like, and then I, I remember I had to take a whole Saturday to do some parade and, uh, and I, was, I hated it. Uh, I was like, I was already, you know, like, you know, a punk kid. So even anything to do with the military I was already just like, I was like, this feels wrong. You know, <laughs> um, wasn't learning any, any good skills. Uh, it's like, you know, they, and they, they would also make you once a week put on your, like, you know, your, your casuals or whatever. Like, so I would have to like be in like an ROTC outfit once a week at school. I hated that. Wow. Uh, finally, I was able to go to a public school. Um, it's after like, after my grandfather died, oh, my dad was like, I was like, he was the only reason you were going to a Catholic all boys school. Do you want to? And so I was able to go to like a public school in my neighborhood where it was just like PE was uh, kind of um, a guy that didn't look like he did any physical activity running the class. <laughs> he would, uh, he was also the guy who sold snacks during, uh, <laughs> you know, first break. And I remember just everyone just like, 
walked wandered around a field. That was usually what PE was at this at Kalaheo High School uh, when I was growing up. And so, like, I was able to like go to a just such a terrible school that it didn't really matter if I did anything during PE. Great, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like marching band is weird though too, because it's like you're gonna play this instrument and then you gotta like walk around i never did anything like that i was more kind of like you more like in punk bands um mm. just playing power chords but it is weird to have to do an instrument and then have to like do exercise at the same time yeah i was not that's not why it's like and plus like being a drummer i was like like clearly i picked the one thing you were allowed to sit down during exactly you know? <laughs> it's like it's like give me a seat i'm good i'm in a corner perfect good for my anxiety i love it i got to yeah. be loud but i don't have to talk it's, it's perfect for like a kid that doesn't realize he you know wants to perform yet and just you just like it's like it's like notice me but don't notice me because I'm sitting yeah. behind the symbols. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I couldn't understand why anyone would want to. But it all really just like in Hawaii, it's like it's it's not like a lot of uh, you know places in America, obviously. But like just the the idea of like the football teams are kind of like it's like no one cares. You know, no one cares about anything. That was a little bit like our school because I guess the guys who played football cared about it, but it was like we didn't have a great football team. We we I think the football games it wasn't like um a friday night light situation where like someone's gonna go to there weren't a lot of scouts there there weren't a lot of scouts yeah, there. yeah 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 well in hawaii though like you know uh at the all boys school there was definitely like a good amount of like like that was a very kind of football school because it was all boys and because it's like they can get students or anywhere so it was like all the big football players in my school were you know like Simone guys. And they were my bullies too. So it's like, right. uh, and I was like a big guy, you know, I was already, I was like six, three when I was like 15, wow. and, you know, I was probably close to 300 pounds. Um, and they would always get mad at me when I didn't want to play football. And yeah, they called me big for nothing. Um, and like, it's like, like there's like a purpose to being big. <laughs> and some of these guys, they're all great football players. Uh, and their names were, uh, you know, uh, Tupu, Toa, Tui, and uh, Tony Tata. They were like, like the four guys that kind of like, you know, Wow. Uh, you know, mess with me the most. And um, Tony Tata went on to play, I think, for the 49ers for a little bit. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I remember even like the idea of anything dealing with school, especially like, and that's like a, a thing, you know, I'm sure we'll come up with the three of us a bunch. But like when you get into like any kind of punk scene, you kind of just immediately go, you look at school and you're just like, you're like, this is such, this is kid stuff. You know, I just was <laughs> at like an underground show and like, you know, in downtown and a dude, you know, got like punched in the face. And then like, it's like, you know, I'm hanging out with all these guys in their twenties and they're telling me about Mumia Abu Jamal and we're doing stuff for food, not bombs. And then, you know, you got you the go, AK press there. Yeah. You got the AK press there. You got like all the, you know, you're going to the Krishna temple for free meal on a, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. And, and then you go back to school on a Monday morning and everyone's just like, we got so wasted at Derek's the <laughs> other night. And you're like, you're like, what are you kids? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Joni, you probably especially felt that way having to go back and do Buns of Steel. I did. I did. Yeah. I mean, t no, totally. I literally was like playing in like Misfits cover bands and then having to do Buns of Steel the next day. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, it was tough. And Joni, I'm curious, like, because we're sort of around the same age, like um, at my school, there was like my one friend, Dan, who was into punk. Like he wore like a dead Kennedy shirt to school one day. So we became friends. And then there were kids from other schools, a couple here and there we we're friends with. But like there weren't a lot of kids into it i mean was it like that for you as well during that time yeah uh well kind of you know it's a the thing about hawaii is it's already kind of a counterculture place so right. um so like you know it's funny talking to people from like you know a buddy of mine ed from nebraska grew up in nebraska and like to him like 
you know, fat records bands like No Effects and uh, Pennywise. And like, it's like that kind of stuff was like, that was super subversive and like wild to listen to super underground, but in Hawaii, those, you know, those were super popular bands and the, like the kids that I considered, you know, like uh, for lack of a better term, like jocks, like, you know, the surfer kids, the kids that were popular, good looking, had money, they listened to that stuff. And so, um, so there was kids that listened to punk. They would, you would see kids with punk shirts and whatnot, but it wasn't like, but we had to like dig down further because they weren't really punks. They just liked, you know, the music and right. And like we're like, and so like it, it almost forced all of me and my friends to get into like weirder and noisier stuff just to somehow like, you know, dig deep and, you know, feel like we were the downtrodden uh, in some way. But it was a, uh, yeah, I like, I remember running into like one kid in my neighborhood at a punk show on the other side of the island. And I was like, you like this stuff? And like we, you know, like we just got so excited that there was someone in our little neighborhood. That liked it. Um, it's a. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't too common whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, guys, everyone. And it's also the thing about Hawaii. Is it's like no one really cares. Now, are you originally from LA and you moved to Hawaii, or no? No, uh, I was. Uh, I was born and raised there. My dad was born and raised there. His dad, and then his dad, uh, and uh, like my grandmother's side as well. Um, uh, my family's. I'm like, I think it was the fourth or fifth generation born, um, wow. family, which yeah. Uh, first wave of immig- Portuguese immigrants from the Azores uh, to uh, work on the plantations and stuff like that. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, a, I just, and it's so weird. That's why, and that's like to like what, you know, like Jonah was saying earlier, it's like, Oh, do you want to, you know, me to say your last name? And I, I felt like when I first started doing stand up, I, I would try to talk about being from Hawaii and if people get confused, I would try to get brought up as Jonah Rodriguez. But like people were just like literally a couple of people said Hona Rodriguez. And then I felt after me going up on stage, I would have to overly explain and clarify why a guy that looks like this is, you know, has that name. And so just my middle name was Ray and it was like my dad's middle name and my grandfather's middle name. So I just kind of started doing that. So it's, it's something that I'm used to like explaining overly, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, not a ton of, not a ton of Jonas either. I feel like our age, popular name now, but I feel like like, you know, thirties, forties, not as many. There was one kid I remember, and he was considered the cooler Jonah, which was always oh, was like I went, this, I went to this one school. It was like in second grade, and like they called him uh, Jonah, but they called me Jonah R. Like they wouldn't even call, it was, <laughs> his name was Jonah Jenkins, and like uh, and I was like, and then I find, I moved schools, and I was like so glad to not be near another Jonah because like Jonah, it does feel you're like you're like not a lot of Jonas. It feels pretty cool, pretty cool yeah. name, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I went to this other school. Then like in sixth or seventh grade, he came to this other school I was working. I was going oh, to. Oh, man, that's and your place. And that's my place. And he, like he did like an impression of Beavis, which in my opinion was terrible, but everyone <laughs> loved it. And um, and then like the same thing happened. Everyone just started calling him Jonah and everyone started calling me Jonah R again. And I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. yeah, not cool. So that's why I was super upset when I like, you know, living out in L.A. and then meeting Jonah Hill and being like, what the fuck do I got to do? <laughs> Jonah Hill once told me that I was a cool Jonah. Really? Yeah. Not not to brag, Jonah. Oh, no. I mean, you know, he, we have a very <laughs> funny thing about one time uh, my wife and Adiana were in a, you know, like a, a JFK airport in a long uh, line uh, uh, for security. And then, uh, like, you know, we're just tired and hungover waiting to go back to L.A. And then I hear Jonah, Jonah. And I look and it's Jonah Hill. And he's you know doing the thing where he gets bypassed. Uh, you know, through security, he's, he's like, this Jonah gets to go around security. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, right on. Very funny joke. Very funny. Yeah. You know, I, I did resent the name for a long time. The name Jonah. 
just because uh, one, it sounded super white and that's like something I did like was, you know, didn't want to see more of when I was growing up. Um, and the other thing was I was a big kid. And so, you know, oh, the story yeah. of Jonah and the whale can swiftly become oh, Jonah the interesting, whale. Interesting. Got it. Also, it rhymes with Bona. So when, you know, people like when there's that, uh, you know, that adolescent thing of like, you know, young boys like going like, you got a boner. Like that was like a, like a, you know, an assault you could, you know, an insult you can sling at another kid. Uh, I was like, you got, it's like, you saw a girl, you got a boner. You're like, no, I didn't. I hate girls. Like, you know, this like weird, you know, <laughs> right. pre testosterone masculinity, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I always kind of just resented the name so much for a long time. Well, it also can feel sort of like religious, like, like Abraham or something, you know, which yeah. I always kind of struggle with cause I'm, you know, not, not religious, but it does can feel like because of the, uh, what the old Testament, new Testament. Yeah, no, know. it's a, it's old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Testament. Yeah. And it's very much like, it's like, you know, I, a lot of people thought, you know, like would assume I was Jewish just because of the name. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And I also believe there's a Canadian screamo act named Jonah from the nineties. Have you ever? Yeah. And then there's Jonah's one line drawing. What's the, yeah. What's that Jonah Matranga, who we did a, Matranga. we did a podcast with once. Oh right. yeah. We did a Jonah radio episode at, Jonah's, so the Jonah's episode. That's right. The Jonah's that's episode, right, yeah. and we called Jonah. I just talked to him recently. He wrote a book a few years ago. That's that's interesting. But yeah, so there's yeah, but there's not a lot of us. There's a no, no, especially Jonah in punk. Bobo. He was in Zathura, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. And Jonah's also kind of like an unlucky name. If you uh, if uh, you research, I think it's Anne Anne of Green Gables or Anne with the E. I can't remember which book, but there's a, a term that this it might have been coined in that, but it's called uh, a Jonah Day. And uh, if you if you uh, research that, uh, Fatty Arbuckle had a um, had a movie called uh, Fatty's Jonah Day. I think another um, old silent star had a something called Blank's Jonah Day. So Jonah Day is when like uh, you're you're not on your game and you're really dumb and nothing's going right. It's a it's kind of a cursed name in that way. Even biblically, it's a cursed name. Well, I would say that you both have proven that that's just not the case anymore. I, I'd say a Jonah day is a pretty great day. <laughs> and on that note, we'll be right back with Jonah Rodriguez and the other Jonah. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back. So Jonah, uh, we asked you to come in with a topic today. And your topic was video rental stores, which is something me and Vanessa are really excited to talk about and just curious sort of how those resonate with you and why you wanted to talk about that today. I, you know, was obsessed. I always wanted to work at a video rental store growing up. Um, and the thing I guess they're on my mind because I do like I live near South Pasadena. And so there's a, a great video rental store there called uh, Videotech uh, right on Mission Street. And it's a delightful, amazing place. It has some records. It's very artsy where they'll have, it's, you know, they'll have by director sections or weird, you know, gonzo cinema, punk cinema, like all these kind of weird things. Um, it, there's something different about going inside a video store mm-hmm. and physically seeing the stuff. Um, and I'm not talking about like, you know, the sound quality or the visual quality of anything. I'm talking about the, the, the ritual and the activity of going somewhere, not knowing what you're going to find. And, um, and being able to just kind of physically grab it and look at the back, um, it's a bit more, you know, and you have to, you can't be there all night. So you have to make that decision. And that's, that's what's yeah. kind of very fun about it. you can, because a lot of people, you know, they, they can scroll through all the options of streaming as, you know, that's what I do more than watch anything is just put everything on my list and then don't watch it. Yeah, it's. It's nice to like, that's true. When we would go to those video stores, which at the time had VHS tapes, I don't know what they have today, but like we, you did have to make a decision. And then that was the thing you were watching. You couldn't really change your mind halfway through because you didn't have anything else. So it was like, this is it. I'm going to guess yeah. they're DVDs now. I'm they're guessing. DVDs, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, some, you know, and Blu rays and whatnot. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's been on my mind too because uh, Ryan Turek, who's a, a uh, creative uh, producer over at uh, Blumhouse, um, you know, the, the horror movie company and him and uh, some of his friends and his, uh, his wife, uh, they do uh, an amazing uh, pop-up the past few years called Slashback Video, where uh, it's in the back of this, uh, you know, the Bearded Ladies Mystic Museum, which is kind of a little tchotchke shop where you can get, you know, crystals and skulls and, you know, candles and stuff like that, uh, kind of gothy stuff. But then they have like an art gallery in the back. And what uh, Ryan and his friends did was make slashback videos. So you walk in and it's like kind of this, you know, 
late 80s, early 90s uh, video store where everything is a, a horror movie. And but they have like it's like all the tapes are like old horror movies. Um, they have all the standees, all the mobiles like uh, they have like, you know, uh, it's like you go in and you're just immersed in it. And it feels kind of silly to explain. But once you're there, you kind of go, you know, you, you grab your chest. and You're like, oh, it feels this feels nice. Yeah. I mean, I would hate it because I hate horror movies, but. But and you'd be surprised because how... you would have that nostalgia yeah, of like walking right. by the horror section. And you'd be like, I remember the Ghoulies uh, yeah. you know, VHS cover not wanting to watch that. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I didn't mean to. T- I was kind of joking, but I also oh, no. <laughs> would be really freaked out. But also another thing I remember, and I've seen little kids do this at, at video stores. And I remember I used to do it is like there's there's all this. <laughs> This is a really specific thing, but there's all this writing, you know, on the covers of the of the different movies of the saying like what they are and what they're whatever. And the backs like would say what the movie is about. And when I think when I was a little kid, I used to walk around and pick up the the different like uh, VHS like covers and pretend to read them. But I didn't know how to read yet. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like a really great way of like performatively like pretending, you know, how to read because there's other people walking around and I just sort of like look at the covers and be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hmm. but like, I didn't know it. And I remember like being, being like a teenager and seeing a little kid doing that there and being like, this oh, is so wow. cute. Cause he's just yeah. mimicking everyone. Just like picking yeah, it up. People can watch it, you. Nodding their <laughs> yeah. head. Cause you don't know what anything says. You just know that there's pictures of people on the covers or whatever the pictures. Are. Yeah. And, and, and then a couple more smaller pictures on the back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then I also remember they would always play the star flicks is the one that Jonah and I used to go to. And I remember they would play, they, they would always have a movie playing and depending on what that movie was I remember sometimes that would be kind of scary if it was kind of a scary movie and it would be on I remember like going through the store and trying to kind of like not watch it or whatever oh, it was wow. yeah 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 it's uh it was just such a ritual for so long for totally. I think so many people you know Friday getting you know ordering Domino's or getting yes. a, a DiGiorno or something yes. you know and then and then watching a you know a couple movies and then you know I was always like my mom was always just like She's like, okay, this time, don't take as long. Just yeah, make a decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we yeah. would always take such a long time. And the other thing I remember is, well, there's two things. I One is they would give you this big bag of popcorn when you would leave. Like it came with the movie, which was really nice. cool. Flick specifically. And then the other thing that Jonah, I don't know if you remember this, and maybe we've talked about this on here before, but there would always be from the studio or whatever, would send these video rental places, like these big cardboard standing posters for the movie. So I remember like there was one for Turner and Hooch that had like Tom Hanks, right? And yeah. like this big dog. And then what the like rumor That at was Flick- Hooch. Just so, just in case you <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, remember that. That was Hooch. That was Hooch. And yeah, he yeah. was Turner. Okay, got it. But so the the rumor was like if you signed the back of the cardboard cutout poster and put your phone number, they would like give you the poster when they were done with it. Oh, wow. And yeah. I don't know if it ever worked, but I remember seeing yeah. yeah, I put my name on one for Steven Seagal's Hard to Kill classic, <laughs> and I remember it was huge. I remember being like, oh my God, I can't, I'm so lucky I'm going to get this. I can't remember if it was there or someone else, and it never showed up, and I thought about it for years. <laughs> oh, I mean, wow. like, I think I've even looked at them as an adult, like maybe I should buy this because Just like, to I felt like- whatever you felt was missing. <laughs> yeah. Something's been missing. Yeah, because it was like- Hard to yeah, Kill, I, Standy. Oh my gosh. And that was a movie that I watched so much growing up. I was on a, I had a huge Steven Seagal. I don't know if you did, Joan, if that was, you know, it just like, how could you not, you just watch them yeah. all to him, Chuck <laughs> Norris, like, yeah. it's like, you know, anything that would just yeah. like, you know, kicks and guns is, yeah. a, is a, the genre. 
Yeah, Jonah was so into Steven Seagal. And I remember she's around a lot. I feel like she does a lot of comedy stuff now and stuff. But I remember one time when Jonah and my parents came to an SNL after party, Gina Gershon was there. And oh. I remember like Jonah and my dad were like so freaked out because she was in. She's in Above the Law. She's which in I Above believe the is law. His, first, his first movie. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I remember like seeing you, Jonah, be kind of like, what? It, like probably was so crazy. I think Dad might have mentioned something to her about it. I'm sure he did. So. Dad, I think he did. You know, as, I'm, sure as we I'm sure a lot of dads over time have mentioned <laughs> yeah. Gina Gershon. I'm sure it's her her, her, her favorite role in her yeah. like very long, like very respectable career. Yeah, I definitely heard from a lot of dads about um about that. But like, uh, it it just it is so funny to like thinking about Jonah how like you progressed and became so into like punk and all this stuff. But that look, when you were little, you're just like so into Steven Seagal and above the law and stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I wonder if it's a thing of just, you know, like you were mentioning before, like aggression, you know, it's uh there's totally. something like, it's like these movies are aggressive and, and you feel aggressive and like, and then that music definitely lends itself to, you know, and then I always, I always consider, um, you know, like a mosh pit, uh, which is like a silly thing to talk about or raps, uh, you know, rap poetically about, but I, I really truly, uh, love them because like when they're in their best form, it's like, uh, it's safe violence, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's like this aggression, uh, where everyone's kind of moving in concert and leaning into each other. And then someone falls, someone picks them up. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's this thing where, uh, I mean, I think for, you know, uh, sensitive, sensitive, uh, boys like Jonah and I, uh, it's like this kind of <laughs> like this thing where you can kind of just like, like on these movies kind of did that for, I think a lot of, totally, totally. Of and I've like never been in a fight in my life and I'm not I a mean, big I've guy. Been, I've been like punched here yeah. and there and slapped, uh, but I've never like, you know, gone for it. Uh, yeah. And, like gotten into yeah. a fight. But it yeah. is like, that is your, you're totally right. I never thought about it, but these movies and the music, it can be this kind of vicarious way of kind of like experiencing that without like, putting yourself in a actual danger. Yeah. I mean, right. even just like a uh, feeling like you, in playing hard music, it's uh, yeah. you know, like when you're done with a set, it feels like you got into a fight. That's you know? true. Although I will say that I thought about like shows I went to as a teenager that were so violent in retrospect and how I wasn't scared at all. Like I was just standing there and like, they, you know, like I'd go see, I, I don't know, like, uh, I don't, who know, like Napalm Death or something, you have to yeah. stop the set like six times, the Mills in Boston because of fights. And I wasn't scared at all. And I was right up there. And wow. now I feel like I go to a show and like, there's like a guy with his shirt off and I'm like, okay, I got to get like like 30 feet away from <laughs> yeah. this person. Yeah. They, they, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's strange. As you get older, you're just so much more aware of like the danger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember uh, I was doing a show years ago. It was like a stand-up set and some guy showed in the foundation room at the House of Blues. Um, and then like afterwards, the guy was running the show. He's like, he's like, Hey, there's like some, like, you know, like, you know, kind of thrash bands playing in the main room. You want to go watch. And I think it was like me, Kyle Kinane, uh, I trying to remember who else was there. Uh, uh, but like, it's like, um, Chris Fairbanks and we're like watching, we're watching from the balcony and I'm just like, had enough drinks. Guy kept on getting us beers. I was just like, you know what? I haven't been into a, I haven't been in a pit in so long. I'm just going to go in there real quick, just for old time's sake. Uh, I go down there and it's like, you know, these like kind of like crazy what's up rockers, like just these like, you know, like East LA Hesher guys uh, going, you know, nuts in the, in the pit. And I was just kind of like, I was like, well, I'm already down here. Let's try it. And I get in, I take like two steps. I, I don't know, my ankle hurt all of a sudden. And then I, uh, and then I, I, was, I just remember going like, I was like, oh, geez. And I fell and then a bunch of guys tripped over me and then I limped back up and like, uh, 
And I remember like Kyle Goins is like, he's like, you don't do it, man. You just don't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. do it anymore. But it was like this, that, that need, that nostalgic need to just kind of get in there and for sure and relive that. It's a, and it's so odd to think that like, and I'm sure this comes up on your show a lot of this, uh, this, you know, this need to kind of like go back to that pocket, which is like, I didn't feel safe or comfortable much of the time growing up. Like in the, in the, in the areas that like the music I go back to a lot of the movies I watched from when I was like, you know, 12, that was like probably the most anxious, you know, unsettling, scariest time of my life. And yet, I, and I think that might be for a lot of people. That's why I'm always so um, interested in the idea of people that like us who love like nostalgia, but also kind of like, why do we want to go back there? Right. That's really true. Invariably, it's all probably way better for us right now than it ever was going to be back then. I watched that blockbuster documentary. Jonah, did you see that? Yeah, I started watching. I didn't like the way they treated uh, uh, Roger Corman in that. Uh, like they kind of like shit on Roger Corman, who's like done so much for cinema, you know, for you know a very long time. Where they're like, it was like this guy makes dumb movies, or you know, or right. Lloyd Kaufman is yeah, like Lloyd Kaufman was the one they were kind of. But anyway, I have that's my review of it. I didn't mean to, but I saw it. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, what what you're saying is so true because it's like, it, I feel like this blockbuster has been like so idealized um, as being like, and it's like, yeah, blockbuster like kind of sucked. Like blockbuster actually, it's like put all these cool video stores out of business, like with like yeah. this like kind of weird corporate structure they had. Like we shouldn't idealize them. We should idealize, you know, video Joes. I mean, that's why it was so hard for me to be upset when, you know, uh, people thought Amoeba in Los Angeles was going to close because- I know I was working at a small mom and pop record store in Venice Beach. And when Amoeba opened up, they offered more money for used stuff. And so people started taking all their used stuff there. They, you know, they just had all their, in, the, the, all the inventory from their stores in the Bay Area near San Francisco and Berkeley. And um, our store just like our sales went down. Like, you yeah. know, uh, Aaron's Records, their sales went down. Footprints uh, or fingerprints in like, it's like, like all these stores just went away because of like this big store just like moving into town and i mean they are an independent store it's not like they're a global chain or even a national chain but it was just like and we're going like oh i'm gonna miss it so much i was, I was like yeah take it yeah this is like this they ruined the small business model had to be a superstore i worked at a record store in high school and we went out of business and or i don't know if it went out of business but um <laughs> i don't know if i talked about this on the podcast it turned out that <laughs> Both of my managers were stealing from the store and I didn't oh, know. <laughs> and it was a, a situation where it was a used CD store and, and used and new. And you, if you wanted to take anything home, you just had to write it down on a piece of paper, which seems like not that official. And I found out both of my managers were taking CDs, throwing them in the garbage and then coming after work and picking them up. And I remember I going that. back. You did that? <laughs> well, that, yeah, I did that at like a bigger store in Hawaii I was working at. Uh, where I was just like, you know, t- I was like, I want that rocket from the Chris CD. And I put it aside. I put some, you know, videos in a, in a trash bag. And I'm walking through the, uh, the door with all the trash bags. The alarm goes off, the security alarm. I go, oh, look at me. I'm stealing stuff. Put it by the trash can and then pick yeah. it up on the way home. Yeah, people, yeah. that was the era people did that. Jonah, and, uh, what record store was this, if you don't mind saying? Uh, well, the one I did that at oh. was called, uh, <laughs> that was called Jelly's. Uh, I was in Hawaii, was actually, no longer there. And I, other Jonah, what record store were you at? Oh, sorry. sorry. No, sorry. it was bound to happen. There were many locations of this. I don't think there are any more. It was called the Record Exchange. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, there were a few of them. Okay, okay. But yeah, no, that's, it's interesting what you guys are saying about, I mean, do you even want me to give more my so, manager's full names and social yeah, security I'd like numbers? To, I'd like to, um, 
I like to kind of get those guys <laughs> to pay for what they've done right now. I do remember, you know what I do remember though? I was I was probably in my early 20s when I had this job and I remember finding out that one of my bosses was younger than me and instantly being like, I don't have to listen to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like totally yeah. losing all respect for him. <laughs> and he was probably like 19 and I was like 21. But yeah, yeah, at that age, I'm just like, yeah, you're 19. Like, you're kidding me? Yeah, you do it. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you guys are saying about. I do think that Blockbuster is looked back on as such a like, you know, it's so sad that it's gone. But you're right. It, it you know, I we had the same exact thing happen in our town where we had this place Flix, which was where everybody got did their video rentals from. And then a Blockbuster moved in like truly like so close. I mean, pretty, pretty ballsy of that Blockbuster. I didn't even really think about that. But like the blockbuster was so close, and then it that just was, had. But that was their. That was the, how they rolled. Yeah, they had a better. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. sure that's that's actually a really good point. I'm sure mm. it was so by design. They had a better selection. They had like more of like the the latest hits or whatever. However, I will say we always went to Flicks, and I think part of it was the free popcorn. Blockbuster was not about to start giving out these. They they would yeah. give us huge bags of popcorn at Flicks. I mean, it was like a huge. It was like a big like almost like a um duffel bag oh yeah yeah like for. this big like end of the <laughs> yeah. night at, the, at a movie theater so it was like, like i yeah. dare you yeah. blockbuster you hacks to give us those anyways i know people are sensitive about blockbuster i don't mean to completely burn it to the ground but let's I don't just care. give some respect to those smaller mom and pop shops yeah, yeah. okay yeah and there is one blockbuster left yes and i've been there it's in bend oregon you went to it i saw that i saw the document yeah i guess i was in the documentary what was that like for you john what was the experience like for you you know, it was, it was odd. I mean, like, it's like I had a show in Bend and I was just kind of on the road by myself and I like got into town when, and I felt compelled to get a shirt. It was just odd. Cause it's like, yeah. it's like that same thing I was telling you about that slashback video art installation. It's like you go in and it's, um, you know, it puts you back to like, I was going to say, you know, like a nicer time, but like, at the, like at the same time, I'm, as we're talking about, I'm realizing it's like, what, Stressful I mean, maybe time. it's like yeah. the idea of it is like, because we were so stressed or like anxious or whatever, you know, we're all artist types. So it's like, most likely we kind of had those feelings as kids, but maybe going to a video store, um, maybe that's the thing. It's like, it's like, those were our little vacations from thinking about like our, you know, like everything all at once. Was yeah. Being able to just go and, you know, that's maybe there's the nostalgia thing. Yes. I think that's a really good way to kind of wrap this up is like, instead of us like shitting on the corporate corporate, which, which is, you know, totally valid. I do think it was like, you get this movie, you don't have your phone, you don't have like 900 distractions. You got your pizza, you got the movie. And like, that's a total escape from whatever's happening at school. Yeah. I think that's so nice. All right. Well, we're going to take another quick break, but we will be right back with the Jonas. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back. Okay, so Jonah, now we're going to play a game where we basically bring up nostalgic products, shows, et cetera, that are making a comeback. And if you're into them, you can give them a yes nostalgia. Yes-talgia. And if you're not into them, you can give them a no-stalgia. No, 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 stalgia. So are you ready to play this really cool game? Yes, I'm ready now. Okay, great. All right. So Jonah, do you want to introduce the first thing that's making a comeback? Sure. So- Really interested in hearing your take on this one, Jonah. The Henson Company is going to sell Labyrinth NFTs. The Jim Henson Company is launching its first ever NFT digital collectibles in partnership with some company um, based on the fantasy film from 1986, celebrating its 35th anniversary. They'll be released in 2022. After the initial drop, fans will be able to purchase 3D digital collectibles inspired by the film exclusively through the VV app, available to download at the App Store and Google Play. Jonah, what do you think? Yes, nostalgia, nostalgia on the nostalgia. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm feeling old, like with the NFTs and uh, you know, and the uh, cryptocurrency stuff. But it just doesn't. I know there's like the idea, like, like my friend Flish today was trying to explain it to me. She's like, no, but then you always have a stake in it. You, if someone uses it, you still you can get paid for it. And I, I'm all for you know a version of artists getting paid as as much as you know they can. But what 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 is it? 
And like, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. I, I already feel weird when I just buy like a print from an artist or of an art, a, a thing I like. Right. Like, it's like, this is like one step beyond that. It's like, it's not a painting. It's not, there's no human touch to it. I mean, sure. Someone did it and clicked around and made the design, but like, uh, but, but what is it? Do you, you know, are we just, are frames just going to be video screens in houses, you know, in museums? Yeah. No. Good point. Good point. I think all valid. Yeah. Nostalgia. Yeah. That's a yeah. nostalgia. Vanessa, what about you? Well, look. Uh, as you know, as you may not know, Jonah, Jonah and I are pretty big into the crypto world. I wouldn't say that we're super knowledgeable about it, but we both um, really enjoy kind of playing around in that world. And look, if anyone wants to message us and tell us how to turn this podcast into an NFT, we're open to it. But the point is, <laughs> I think that Listen, like, I'm all about making money. And if I understood <laughs> money at all. You know. Yes. And and the only way, interesting to say on a podcast, the only way I've ever been able to even start to understand NFTs is through podcasts. Like I've just listened to a lot of podcasts about them, but I guess I will say something that I do like about it is, you know, the labyrinth is clearly like a classic movie. People love it. It's very, you know, what I, I, the fact that they're um, making an NFT digital collection related to it sort of is like, in some ways, it's really nice to hear because it's like the Jim Henson company is they're staying relevant. You know, they're like, we've got all this great stuff. And, you know, I guess I prefer it to them, like saying like they're they're coming out with a new labyrinth, which I've, I bet if I look that up right now, it would be true. <laughs> but like the point yeah. is like Harry the Styles fact that would be the Goblin King this time. Yeah, he'd actually be really good. But the point is like, I feel like. <laughs> It's like good for them a little bit. Like they're figuring this stuff out. They clearly have people working there now who understand this stuff. And I just do think if it's another way, you know, that movie is from 1986. And if it's another way for people to sort of get uh, invested in that film and 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 keep the Jim Henson company thriving, then I'm I'm for it. So I'm going to give it a yes, Dalja. Jonah Jonah Bayer, what about you? Well, I completely disagree. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I think it's it's like why like I feel like everyone's uh-huh. making NFTs now. No one really understands what they are. Uh-huh. You know, is do we need this? I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. I prefer it to like the um like a remake, which yeah. Instead of David Bowie, it would probably be like I don't know, like Harry Dave Grohl or something. Hairstyles. Yeah. I mean, like uh, no, Dave Grohl would be Huggle. Okay, okay. Okay. I don't really know the movie that well, but well, uh, then you have no, you have no stake, you have no skin in the game. Yeah, but like, yeah. I, I don't have any skin in the game. But like, I, I just feel like the NFT thing. It's like everyone's doing them. Like no one over, like no one. I feel like my age understands what they are, and I also feel like maybe that's what bugs me is that I think I'm like hitting an age where I like with like NFTs and TikTok and stuff where I just like have stopped. Like I could like explain stuff to our parents. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, this is what it is, and now I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I don't know. TikTok was the last one like uh, where I, I downloaded it and looked at it for a bit and I was just like I think I've reached it I think I'm I'm yeah. done with the uh and it's you know it's odd when you especially when you're in entertainment and like especially in the era that like you know like we all came up in where it's like you had to like like be have the friendster have the myspace account like you know yep. post about your post about your gigs post about the thing you know it's like totally that that gets you more work that gets you noticed it's uh and it's like so like you know especially like this like you know past like 15 years but like I feel like I got on, like I looked at TikTok and I was like, it's time for this, you know, 39 year old dude to just stop it here. It's like, I don't want to keep on, you know, trying to figure out the new thing. And, Jonah, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's your mosh pit. 
It's your digital yeah. mosh pit. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, so that's a nostalgia from me. Uh, so okay. we got the Jonas with a nostalgia and uh, Vanessa with a nostalgia. Okay, great. Now uh, let's move on to our next thing that's making a comeback: The Matrix. There's going to be a fourth installment of the franchise where Neo and Trinity are back for one more fight over the fate of reality itself in the second trailer, the long-awaited fourth installment of the Matrix series, which finds uh, Neo back in his manicured life as Thomas Anderson in the simulated world of the Matrix until he's once again offered the red pill. This also stars Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, They're able to finally reunite. And there's some other really big stars along with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, including some names that I wasn't really expecting to see, particularly (laughs) Neil Patrick Harris. The film opens in theaters and arrives on HBO Max December 22nd. I don't know what you guys think. At the end of the day, I just want to say, what do you guys think? Is this a yes or nostalgia for you? And how are you feeling? Our guest, Jonah, we will start with you. So I don't think I've ever even seen a third Matrix movie. I remember the second one kind of was a, a, a bit of a, a, a letdown. There was cool stuff in it. But at the same time, seeing, you know, what Keanu and Alex Winter were able to do with doing a third Bill and Ted and how, you know, a lot of the John Wick movies are very much like, you know, Keanu made those happen. I think I think he wouldn't come back to the Matrix, something that was so iconic and huge, lightly. I truly think it's like, a lot of care was taken into mm-hmm. like what this is going to be. I, I normally don't watch trailers, but uh, I, I caught the trailer for this one in front of a film and uh, was like, Oh, it looks kind of like a, like a love story. Uh, just like, you know, which they kind of had with Carrie Ann Moss and his character over the three, but like this one feels kind of like a distilled, almost like this is going to be the before sunset uh, edition of the matrix films, you know, the second installment of the link leader. So I'm going to say yes. Stalgic, Cause yes. also Keanu. Keanu. Yeah. And also, I did, there's some other stars that I didn't mention. Priyanka Chopra Jonas, Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, I just, Neil Patrick Harris really stood out. I think Neil Patrick Harris is like, he's good. He's so good at like, uh, he could play a good agent uh, Smith. You know, he's very, right, like, right, right, right. Because he's very sharp with his, with his performance when he wants to be. He could be very like direct and sharp with his, uh, which is very like, you know, robotic in a way. In, in, in a very complimentary way. Got it. Got it. Great. Jonah Bayer, what do you think? I was just thinking about if Neil Patrick Harris was reprising his role as Doogie Howser in well, this movie. Well, that's exactly, exactly. I, I could see that on your face and I was thinking the same thing. And I think it's because I, I feel like we kind of miss some of the other stuff that he did. So I also still think of him as Doogie Howser. And I know nobody else does. And I'm sure he would love to hear that. But on the train, right? Yeah. Or no, Gone Girl. He's great in that. Right. <laughs> and then How I Met Your Mother, like a huge successful show. But that, that and- is like that is like the Gina Gershon above the law. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, the first thing you ever did. On this when, like, podcast, yeah. people are their first thing. Yeah, but, people are their yeah. first things. Jonah, what do you what do you think about this fourth installment? I feel similar to Jonah. I, I like never really got super into the Matrix. I feel like there was like a certain kind of personality type that was really drawn to those movies. Right. First one is undeniable. Though. Yeah, so yeah. It's kind of like a, an amazing movie. I think I might have been a little too old. I don't know. Mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. I it never really, it was like maybe my post Seagal, but I was like, you know, right. um, watching like you know, like another state of mind or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> but uh, you were like, it was like Dark City did it better. <laughs> they should have brought Kiefer Sutherland in on this. I'd rather watch City of the Lost Children and more Jeannot. Yes. Yeah. Right. I was a very sophisticated 
but yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, I I actually I did watch the the Bill and Ted reboot last year without with Keanu and Alex Winter. I thought it was well done. So I agree with Jonah. I think that um you know they're not going to rush this out like um I don't know like one of those like nineteen like Karate Kid sequels they made with like all different people. Like I'm sure it will be well produced, well thought out. So I say sure. I mean, this is probably something I would watch. You know, if it was if it was there. Great. So I'm going to say give it a yes, Dolja. Vanessa, what about you? Throwing it your way. Yeah. You know, I can't believe I actually haven't seen the new Bill and Ted, which I'm shocked that I haven't seen it because I'm such a huge Keanu fan. You know, I love, you know, Speed, one of my favorite, probably all time. It's such a good movie. Speed is one of your all time favorite movies. Really? Yeah, I actually think it is. It was on TV. It's so so well paced. It like, Jonah, you got to watch it as an adult. It's really good. Really? Yeah. yeah, you'll cry when Jeff Daniels gets it. Wow, it, that's what—that's the one thing I was gonna say is I wish that the Jeff Daniels spoiler alert. If you still haven't seen Speed, then maybe I don't know. But the Jeff Daniels death to me is—I don't is remember that at so all. So sad. It's his eyes because he has those great sad eyes that uh, he was able to just kind of like when he notices that he's done. Ugh, it's such uh, a good. It's so good. And the beginning, remember they save all those people in the elevator. They're like they save people from this elevator thing. It's so good. Anyways, I know. I don't know that I've ever actually verbalized the fact that Speed is one of my favorite movies of all time, but (laughs) here it is. You're getting it here first because it was just on TV like a few months ago. And I like was like, man, this is so good. Also, the chemistry between Keanu and um, Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock. And then there was this news story recently about how like Sandra Bullock said she'd never had like no one had ever sent her like chocolate covered strawberries or something. And so Keanu like sent them to her when they were filming speed. I don't know. I just, I He's love him. Like the best uh, guy. He's yeah. The best that does guy. seem like Also, true. he still looks great. Also, guess who else is the best and still looks great? Sandra Bullock. She is like, mm-hmm. and I know I was just blanking on her name, but it's because I kept <laughs> wanting to say Sandy. And I was like, it's not Sandy, but maybe I call her that. So maybe I was actually just being, but I, both of them are just like so are like they're just perfect i love both of them they both are doing so great so but anyways to go back to the (laughs) matrix fourth installment this is wild i did not see the first matrix until i'm gonna call it like a year ago i watched it over the pandemic everybody said that i would love it so much because i'm real into like space and robots and stuff like that and i i watch all the westworlds like i watch every episode of westworld i listen to a westworld podcast so they can explain it to me. I still don't understand it. But I think like because of all of my interest in that kind of stuff, everyone's always been like, you would love The Matrix. You would love it. And I finally saw it. I thought it was great. I- I'm into them bringing it back. I, I agree that I don't think they're going to do it in a lazy way. I think if they're bringing it back, especially it's different than if it was like coming out like as the fourth and like they were coming out every year or two. Like this is like a big deal that it's coming back and it's coming back. It's not like they've replaced Keanu with like, the guy from Speed 2. Yeah, the guy from Speed 2. <laughs> Jason. Yeah, I never saw Speed 2. Heartbreaking. But I don't but I don't blame Sandra Bullock for doing it. Yeah, Speed 2, cruise control, and I think it happened on a boat. Oh my gosh. I remember the commercials where she comes out and she's in like a like a blue bikini mm. and she is like holding drinks and the commercials for Speed 2. And I remember every time I would see it, I'd be like, it's gotta be Keanu this time. It's <laughs> like when I would watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, and I'd be like, it's gotta end differently this time. I always wanted a ha- happy ending. And I always want Keanu to be in speed too. But guess what? You don't get that, but you get the Matrix 4. And I'm excited for it. And I'm giving it a yesstalgia. Okay, let's All move right. on. <laughs> That's three yesstalgias. Now, Jonah, do you want to introduce the third thing that's quote, making a comeback? Yeah, this is an interesting one. This was sent. This is a really great one. This was sent by our, our producer, Olivia. So thank you for this, Olivia. Um, 
And it is once a bowling alley snack, mozzarella sticks are having a resurgence. There's an article about this, about scrolling TikTok, and there's people are loving the cheese pull, which is pulling apart a mozzarella stick. So millennials are saving the mozzarella stick industry? Yeah, I guess so. According to a report from DoorDash, mozzarella sticks were the most ordered game day food during the 2021 NFL season, outselling even even chicken wings. It's a best-selling item at this place, Milk Drunk. This TikTok creator says there's prevalent on social media because they're both broadly familiar and a good canvas for creative experimentation. Her her video of mozzarella sticks coated in flaming Hot Cheetos has gotten more than 1 million views. So... A lot of restaurants are like doing their own twist on mozzarella sticks. Uh, there's crab rangoon mozzarella sticks at this uh, restaurant in Iowa. There's some other uh, takes on mozzarella sticks at different restaurants. And um, I found this. Uh, there's this guy from there's a chef from Cleveland who I did a little bit of a deep dive on um, uh-huh. who <laughs> who uh, he has this restaurant and uh, he does these mozzarella sticks that are $28 because he tops them with caviar. So, and he, he started out in Cleveland. He started as the teenage prep cook at a high-end 80s style Italian restaurant outside of Cleveland. And I was going to try and ask our dad before we started what restaurant we think that is. I'm guessing Giovanni's, but he serves these mozzarella sticks at Carne Mare in Manhattan, this Manhattan steakhouse. And they're $28 because they have caviar on them. Jonah, I don't know that I needed to like really rush in and interrupt you to say all of that. But the point is, Jonah Rodriguez, what do you think (laughs) about this resurgence of mozzarella sticks? (laughs) I'm not into it. You know, I think um, cheese is good on its own. I try not to eat too much of it these days. Uh, You don't need to deep fry anything deep fried. It doesn't really matter what it is at that point. That's why, you know, there's certain there's certain types of foods that doesn't really matter what's inside. It's It's a texture thing. You can get. You know, you can you can get that uh, anyway. I just I don't think people should be having fried cheese as much. I think um, I think it's a that's a no that's a nostalgia for me, dog. Got All it. right, got it. I'm gonna go with Jonah. Um, I feel like if I'm gonna get something fried, it's probably gonna be you know maybe like I made uh, fish sticks the other day. Those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Onion rings. I have an air fryer, so I'm, you know. Yeah, and you it. got me one for my birthday. I, I got Vanessa an Is air fryer. Is it worth it for the amount of space they take up? Let me tell you something. That's what I thought, and. I think I use it like almost every day. Mm-hmm. I, like almost as we have a microwave and I feel like I never, it's like better to heat it up in the air fryer and it's like, it's cooked stuff so fast and you don't really need to use oil or just a little bit. So I, I'm surprised how much I, we use it. Me and my wife yeah. use it a lot. Vanessa, have you used yours? The gift I from have. your brother? I've made a lot of salmon <laughs> in it. I make salmon in it a lot. I make, I've made some cauliflower in it. I, I really do like it now. Jonah and and his wife Vicky got also got me they got me an instant pot like a couple of years ago and I use that so much that it's I'm trying to transition and use both and I haven't quite I'm still more leaning on the instant pot but like I'm I'm getting into the air fryer and instant pot really, I use more for like we use for more for like grains rice yeah stuff yeah. proteins and stuff we use the the ninja four but but I want to just because Vanessa <laughs> I think was too scared to call out this guy Andrew Carmelini yeah. And I'm not scared of them. Okay, you're not scared of this, this Cleveland, this originally from Cleveland chef. Yeah, yeah, because this guy, I mean, $28 mozzarella stick with caviar. No one needs that. And right. it's like, it's right. yeah, I mean, he has all these fancy restaurants. It's, 
he's like he's drinking wine with Robert De Niro on his website. It's like you know what? Oh wow, Jonah, you've done some research on him too. You came from Cleveland, like a scrappy guy. You built your way up to you know like being a a world-renowned chef. And congratulations for you. But leave mozzarella sticks to to you know people just want a simple mozzarella stick you know for five bucks. We don't need this. Okay, I'm gonna cross Andrew (laughs) Carmelini off the list for our guests for this podcast (laughs) because. After you've trashed him so hard, it's, but, you know, no. it's, it's, you know. he's a James Beard. He's he's you know he's pretty. He's gotten a Michelin star at his restaurant. But guess what? Here's how I feel about doesn't when, give when, you the right to rip people off. But when people do, when people do that thing, Chris, where it's like you know, it's name, like you, you learn you know how to make like the nicest food for the you know the most yeah. you know uh, rich people, and then you go, you know, what I'm gonna do mozzarella stick. You know, put yeah, some and so, it's like yeah. it feels almost kind of like a classist move. It feels yeah. like condescending in a way, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I can make this this like crappy thing you like. I can make it actually mm-hmm. look good. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it is what it is. And if you don't like it, don't have to turn your nose up at it. Just- it's anytime some like fancy restaurant saying our take on something. Yeah, you want to just tell them to fuck off. Yeah, this is what dr- drove me nuts about that Bobby Flay. I remember that Bobby Flay challenge. Oh, show. Jonah, talked to you and about I this. have talked about this. <laughs> I talked about this so much. I know, probably Jonah, you have things to do with your life right now, but um. There was a show. No, like I, a, I wiped away everything so I can hear okay. you guys this, talk about Bobby Flay. <laughs> there was this show where it's like a challenge where it's like Bobby Flay is going to go to this place and there's these people have been making this dish for generations and they have a restaurant and Bobby Flay is going to come in and he's going to try to make it. And then there's, they're going to judge who's better. And it's like, who the hell does this guy think he is? He's going to go and these people have been making like this some type of like food pass down for generations. And he's like, well, I'm going to throw the few things together and see if mine's better. It's yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's beat Bobby Flay. It's it's yeah. the whole premise of the show is like, is like this. Yeah, this family has been making like this family recipe for like generations, and in two hours he's gonna like see if he can beat them at it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, hey, exactly. Bobby Flay, like maybe t- t- maybe like take it, take yeah. a minute to think I mean, about. Like, ever, there's like, no winners. So people was like, sorry, Bobby's is better. And then like you know, some old lady going, this is all we have. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it was it was it was condescending in the same way that these mozzarella sticks are. Andrew Car- Carmelini is not Bobby Flay, but <laughs> That's either way, he never show up on the it podcast. Seems like- <laughs> you can't say his name right. <laughs> it, seems- <laughs> it seems like Jonah, this is a nostalgia for you, and and now I'm going to give you my. <laughs> take on it which is What's your take? basically my take is the same as our producer olivia's take which is like uh the reason that i don't give this a yesstalgia is because i don't think that mozzarella sticks ever went away like i don't i'm not like oh my god like i'm anti no. them coming back it's like since when did people like move away from them i think like if, if you if you're a person who eats mozzarella sticks you keep eating them if you aren't you aren't we've never really been a family that ordered them at like Italian restaurants or anything but I have friends who st- it's like it's like I, I don't know I, I feel like by that logic you could take like pretty much any food and be like it's having a comeback and it's like totally just just because I don't know but I guess I guess the thing that's happening that is new is that like these restaurants are doing their spin on it but as we've said it's like I think you can kind of leave well enough alone. I feel like there's already a lot going on with like a full mozzarella stick that you don't need to. I mean, caviar on a mozzarella stick really does not sound appealing to me. It's already salty enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a nostalgia too, partially because I'm not into the variations on it and partially because I think they never went away. Yeah, so, go to any bowling alley. They still got Yeah, them. guess what? So, all right. Well, <laughs> it's been so great having you today, Jonah. Thank you so much. 
for being our guest. Uh, where can people where can people find you? I, I'm uh, at Jonah Ray on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, there, uh, speaking of nostalgia, I uh, I am the uh, there's two seasons worth of Mystery Science Theater 3000 yes. uh, on Netflix, which was a very nostalgic show for me. And now we're currently wrapping up uh, our next season, uh, which is like a like going to be all on this own, you know, self-distributed platform called the Gizmoplex that Joel Hodgson's come up with. So make those. And, uh, and then, um, that's, uh, that's, that's where you can find me, I guess. Incredible. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be so great. That's going to be so great. Well, thank you so much to Jonah Rodriguez for joining us and to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast. Keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural milestones like video rental stores. Thanks, Jonas. And then we say at the same time, you're welcome. welcome. Oh, no, the Jonas singularity has begun. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey there. I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments 
Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.